Well, it's good to be back tonight, right? Amen. I'm happy to see all of you here. That uh, When you heard that I was preaching, I thought, yeah, they're going to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, no, they'll come for the show. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I'm ready to show off, so it's fine, all right? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I enjoyed school. Surprise? Yep. I never skipped a day, you know, just to go away. I always came to school. One reason, because my mother and father would have beat me to death if I did not. But uh, I enjoyed school. Now, I, I love to study but not in school. Because somebody pop up tell me what to study. I like to choose myself what I study. Okay? And you can't do that in school. <laughs> you know, I won't do that, teacher. I'm going to do this book. Okay? No, no, it's not okay. <laughs> but there was one thing that I hated about school. One thing. You have any idea? You don't answer because you know my sermon title. (laughs) Any idea? Any idea what I would hate school? And when I tell you, you're going to say, Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 Well, not... Okay. (laughs) The what? Well, I didn't like speech class yet because I could not stand in front of a group of people and speak because I would get sick. I would throw up. I'd throw up. That's true. And I, yeah, if I gave you my full testimony, it was when we debate, I debated with God and I came to the conclusion that God kind of accepted that, you know, and I thought we were going along fine until he said, no, 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 I want you to preach. And I said, no, Lord, I can't do that. I can't stand in front of a group of people and speak. And I got a rhythm to it, you know, so that when anybody said anything, I could just simply say, oh, no, no, no. God understands I can't stand before a group of people and speak. But he changed all of that over a period of years, not immediately. But the one thing that I hated in school were tests. Aha. See, heads are shaking, heads are shaking. Yeah, yeah. I did not like tests. I always was fine. I answered the questions. I, you know, I decided that I was going to make C's, B's and C's. That's fine, I didn't have to study, you know. So, uh, but I always passed the test, but I hated tests. Now, in America, to drive a bus or a truck, you have to take a test. Yeah. (sighs) For many years, I drove a bus. Didn't have to have a special license, you know, just just drive. 
and always drove church buses, which were not perfect. Now, there was always something wrong with church buses. They were always breaking down, uh, always couldn't get it started going and all of those kinds of things. But then the law changed, and so you had to have a test. So I, I thought, oh, fine, no problem. Um, you know, I had driven buses for many, many, many years. I could back it up and turn and do all of that kind of stuff. You know, no problem. So I went to get the book to study. <laughs> that thick. Eight and a half by eleven. You know, big book, I thought. Anyway, I studied, studied, drove the bus to the station for my test. They have a written test. Well, I passed it, no problem. But then they have what they call an inspection test. Fifty-seven different things you have to look at before you drive the bus. Now, nobody will do that, but it's required to get the license. So as we were walking out to the bus, I said to the man that's examining me, I said, now, I'm not a mechanic. All right. He said, no matter right or right, you just point to it where you have to check. I said, okay. So I pointed, 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 walked around, pointing, pointing, sat down, you know, and pointed, pointed, pointed to pull the emergency brake. It didn't work, but I pulled it up anyway. <laughs> and, and I said, okay. He said, is that all? I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> uh, he said, well, you got 24 out of 57. I don't think you're going to get the license. I said, I have to have the license (laughs) or walk home. (laughs) And he said, well, I will show you what you need. And then in a week or two, you can come back. I said, okay. So he showed me all the way around, showed me all those things. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. How soon can I take the test again? And he looked at me and he said, well, a week or two. And I said, no, no, no. I'm talking about 20 minutes, 15 (laughs) minutes. And he looked at me and I could just see his thoughts, you know. He's saying, anytime you want. But I knew that if I failed again, that I would never have my license from that man, you know. Now, He did not understand. See, I'm a special person. I have special, unique gifts. I have a fantastic short memory. I went into that station. I sat down, got the book, and I look at it, look at it 15 minutes. I said, sir, I'm ready. 
Again, he looked at me with those eyes and said, you better not be wasting my time. <laughs> Went out, I pointed. Bop, 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 sat down, pulled up the emergency brake that didn't work. <laughs> he didn't know that, though. <laughs> you know, and he said, wow, you got 56 out of 57. So I did not have problems with tests. But I hated them. Now, how many of you know that God can use you? Oh, you have good participation. What's that word? (laughs) Participation here. That's good. You you really believe that God can use you? Then why not surrender to Him? You know why? I know why. Because God gives us tests. And we don't like it. And we're not ready, and we say, whoops, that's, uh, no, that's not for me. One day, I was reading Hebrews chapter 11. Now, how many of you know what that called chapel, uh, that chapter is called? Okay? What? Just tell me. Chapter of faith. I think it's named wrong. I think it should be called the chapter of obedience. Okay, you think about that, okay? I was reading that chapter one day, and uh, where we are we? And I came to Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 8 through 19, and this is about, who do you think that is? Yeah. See how easy signs are? (laughs) Doesn't go all the way because he got stopped. Abraham. I was reading along there and I was thinking, you know, Abraham was called the friend of God. Yeah. That's, that's good title. I would like to be friends with God and, and Abraham was kind of a special, unique person in his relationship with God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 19, there are four tests that God gives to Abraham. And I want us to notice those four tests this evening. All right? And we won't... Where are you? Number one, verse eight. Verse eight. This is the first test. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should um, receive for an inheritance, obeyed, 
Now listen. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, can you imagine me? Now, you've never met my wife, okay? All right. Can you imagine me coming home one day and knocking on the door? (laughs) I don't knock on the door. I have a key. (laughs) And until she changes it someday, (laughs) I can get in. (laughs) That's funny, okay? (laughs) Me, I come in and I say, hey, Joyce. That's her sign name, Joyce. We're moving. Now, what do you think my wife is going to ask me first? Where are we going? And I'm going to say, I don't know. We're just going to get in the car and we're going to drive and God's going to show us. You know what my wife would say to me? Yeah, my wife would say, I will pack your suitcases, you get in the car and go, and when you arrive, call me and I'll come. (laughs) God said to Abraham, I want you to leave your family, your city, all here, and go to a place I will show you. I can't imagine the faith of Abraham. He, if There's no indication in the Bible that he questioned God. None. He did not say, well, Lord, could you just, uh, you know, maybe I misunderstood you. Could you uh, explain that again to me? Just, you know, just to make it clear to me. He didn't say that. Just said he packed up everything and left. Now apply that test to us today. And here is the explanation. Can I trust God with my life? Can I say to God, here I am, take me, use me, whatever I will do, I will obey you, you just lead me, you show me, I will go, I will obey, no matter what you ask me to do, I will go. My life, I surrender to you. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. Fully surrender, not holding back any part, just giving up. Can you trust God with the rest of your life? Well, no, no well, no buts, just fully surrender to God.
preacher, the deaf church. His wife was my teacher. And one day he came to me and he said, in two weeks I'm going on vacation, I want you to preach. (laughs) I said, "Uh, no. Hey, what do you mean no? I said, no, I promised God that I would work with the deaf, not preach, because God knows I can't preach. I can't stand in front of a group of people and speak. That was true. I would literally throw up. Sick. I couldn't do it. And the preacher said to me, he said, well... If you don't preach to the deaf, how are you going to help them? Well, I said, um, I'll go home and pray about it. Ah, (laughs) because I thought that God and I had an agreement. Yeah, he understood. He made me, right? Yeah. It's his fault. Well, I wouldn't say that, uh, you know. But I went to my dorm room. I got down on my knees. And I said, Lord, what's wrong with me? I've surrendered to work with the deaf. There's no question. I will do it. I will do anything other than preach, and you know I can't preach. It wasn't funny, okay? God said to me, and I was James back in those days, fancy name. I was in college. James, yes, sir, what's wrong? And I said, well, Lord, this man has asked me to preach in two weeks, and you know I can't preach because I can't stand in front of a group of people to speak. I'd say that again and again and again. And I thought that God would say, all right, James, it's okay. Just tell him no, and you're fine. God never works the way you want him to do it. And he said to me, James, yes, sir, is that all? What do you mean, is that all? Have you ever had the problem of standing before a group of people and speaking just after you have regurgitated? (laughs) I have. It's not fun. What do you mean, that's all? And I said, yes, sir, that's it. I thought, again, he would say, just go tell the preacher, no, it's fine. But he said, okay, James, I'll tell you, I don't want your voice. I want your hands. And in one minute, God destroyed the last excuse that I could offer for a failure to fully 
surrender. God did not want, I'll do everything except. Mm -mm. God wanted from me, I'll do anything that you want. And I said to him, okay, Lord, you see it. What I am is what you have to work with. And that day, I fully surrendered and trusted God with the rest of my life. Now, it took two or three, four years for me to defeat the regurgitation. But I did, with the Lord's help, of course. And now, it has been almost 62 years since that time. And now my wife says, you can't stop, but it's okay. It's all right. You know. But uh, there's, a, there's the test. Abraham, can you leave all of this and come to a place I will show you? I'm not going to explain. I'm not going to give you a map. I'm not going to tell you step by step and day by day. But you just follow me and do what I ask you to do. Can you trust God with your life? But there was a second test. And that was in uh, verses 9 and 10. In verses 9 and 10, uh, it says that by faith Abraham sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tents, tabernacles, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs, with him of the same promise. For he, that is Abraham, looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. Can you imagine? Abraham never built a house. He always lived in tents. Now, when my family was young, we liked to go camping. Yeah. And we had a tent, you know. And it was always enjoyable. I had set that thing up, you know, and build a fire and, and all of that that goes into camping. We enjoyed it. About uh, 30 years ago, my wife ceased to enjoy <laughs> sleeping on the ground, <laughs> okay? <Amen. laughs> yeah, yeah. Her idea of camping was a motel, okay? <laughs> and eating every morning in uh, restaurants, you know. This was a vacation. That was, camping time was finished. But whether you're in a camp or a camper or whatever, or if you travel like I do, always nice to come home. And I opened that door, and there's a rug right beside the door. I took off, take off my shoes and leave them there, and I never put the shoes back on again until I leave the house. Okay? That's home. Right over here is my favorite chair. And I mean, I use it, okay? Mm -hmm. 
And right around the corner is the kitchen with all of the snacks and everything right there, you know. When I get there, I'm home. Now, I stay in many, many people's homes as I travel. And uh, I always make myself at home. I usually, when I walk in, they say, okay, make yourself at home. So I take off my shoes. <laughs> you know? Because I, I don't wear tie-ups because of that reason. And uh, they say, oh, no, 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 you don't have to take off your shoes. I said, you said, make me feel at home. If I'm at home, my shoes are off. So that's it. All right. Abraham lived in Canaan, a country filled with idol worshipers who had no idea of uh, worshiping the true God in heaven. He had the opportunity, the choice of joining with the people there or being separate. I said the test is this, living in the world but not being of the world. Do you know in John chapter 17, Jesus really prayed. It's really the the Lord's prayer in John chapter 17. And he prayed for you and me. Yeah, He included you and me in that prayer. And one of the things that he prayed to the Father was, he said, I don't pray that you will take the disciples out of the world. They're going to stay in the world, but I pray that they will not be of the world. The problem that I see with so many Christians today is that there's not much difference between the world, people, and Christians. Christians go for the same entertainment and fun. They dress the same. They smell the same. Well, anyway, we'll get away from that. But uh, they act just like Christians, or, or the world. And as the world becomes worse and worse and worse in their rebellion against God and against the Word of God, the Christians just move over. There are not more difference between the two so that you can see a person and you think, is that a Christian or not? And you cannot judge by their actions and by their dress and by what they do. That's a test. Are we willing to live in the world? We have to live in the world and to reach the world with the gospel. We have to. But we don't have to act like the world. There needs to be a separation there. You remember Paul said, Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not these unclean things. And yet we're joined with it. We enjoy it. We do it. I remember I was in the 12th grade 
in high school. Back in the olden days, <laughs> well, maybe back in the older, older days, <laughs> they would sell pop in bottles, and you paid a deposit on it. And so, when you finished drinking the pop, you'd bring it back to the store and exchange it for others or get your money, you know. And I remember one day, we had a big room where I was working, and we just bring those bottles in and just stack them up, stack them up, stack them up, stack them up. And then about once a month, two or three of us would go out and separate all of those uh, bottles, put them in the right uh, box and so forth so that we could give them back to the, uh, the company. And I remember I was working with this other uh, young man there and we were talking and he said, you know, he said, you're Baptist, right? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I'm Baptist. I said, I know that. He went to the first Baptist church, and I went to a Hava Baptist church, which was an independent Baptist church. He went to the Southern Baptist Convention, and he said, well, I noticed you don't do the things that we do. I said, no, we believe that those things belong to the world, and we try to separate ourselves. Even back in those days, they noticed that there was a difference. That's a test. Can the people that know you know that you are a Christian because of your not joining in the world things? Number three. That didn't come up. Okay. Now it did. In verse 11, and now we begin to emphasize Sarah a little bit more than Abraham, but it says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Back into Genesis chapter 12, when God said to Abraham, I want you to leave all of this and go to a place I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. Now what did that mean? That meant that Abraham and Sarah were going to have children. You can't have a big nation without children. Okay? You understand that? Yeah. All right. So what happened? Nothing. 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 Well, one day God said to Abraham, the son that is born to you, Ishmael, is not the right one to carry on your name. I will give you a son. Okay. Really? Yeah. We're going to give you a son. Yeah, right. 
I'm old, and I know how he felt. <laughs> Almost. You know, I'm not quite there yet, but um, how many of you know how old Abraham was when his right son was born? Yes, sir? Yeah, 100, almost. Yeah. Sarah was 90. Here it says that Sarah believed God. So did Abraham, it says in another place. Now, you understand... That it takes a husband and wife to make a baby, right? You understand that. This was not a miracle that God did with uh, Mary. Abraham and Sarah had relationship and because of that, they had a baby that was born. Why did they do that? A hundred and ninety 89 and 99. They believed God. And all they had was the promise of God. Almost, probably, I don't know, it's, it's, you know, it's a guess, but about 25 years after God promised, Isaac was born. And you know why he was born? Because Sarah and Abraham believed God's word. Here's the test. Can I depend on God's word? Almost every day that test is going to pop up in your life. Can you believe the Word of God? It says that, but... You know, how many times have you heard that, Pastor? Well, I know what the Bible says, but... Well, I, I know that God will do that for Pastor Greg here. I know that. Yes, he's, he's proven that again and again. But for me, I... Hmm. See, it's a test. Can you trust the Word of God, the Bible? When God says it, it ought to be finished. You ought to be able to say, I believe it, I trust it, I receive it, I live by through it. That's the test. Okay? You understand that? I want to get to the fourth one. Verse 17 through 19. And I'm just going to condense this one for you, okay? Abraham is now old. I mean, really old. 
Isaac may be as old as 40. One day, Abraham is sitting in his rocking chair on the front porch watching his son. And the Bible says his son that he loved. He's rocking, thinking, wow, isn't this fantastic? And he hears the voice of God. Abraham? Yes, Lord? Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac and I want you to go to a place I will show you and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Whoa. Now, I would have probably said to God, you'll need to tell me that again, please. I'm not sure that I heard that right, you know. It, 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 it's wrong to, to sacrifice your children. It, it, that's what the false gods do with their idols and things. Uh, I, I'm sure that I misunderstood you. You mean that I'm, I'm just to... There was no discussion, or there appears to be no discussion. It's not recorded in the Bible. But it just simply says that early in the morning, Abraham, Isaac, with two servants, started. I doubt if he told Sarah. (laughs) I I just know mothers, and that that would not have been a, a happy thing, I know. I think he just got up and he said, we're going on a journey and they travel for three days. Three days Abraham traveled with his son knowing that at the end he was going to have to kill his son. I don't know about you. I had three daughters and I loved them. I've wanted to kill them once in a while, but uh, most of the time they, you know, we got along fairly well together. But can you imagine for three days traveling with his son, knowing that he's going to kill him. They reached the end of the mountain and God says, that's the place right there. I want you to notice that Abraham said to his two servants, I want you to stay here. Isaac and I are going up the mountain and we will come down. Now, we indicates that Abraham knew something wonderful was going to happen. 
and we find out in the New Testament what he believed, okay? They travel up that mountain. Abraham builds the ark, uh, the altar, ties his son, lays him on the altar. And I know as they're traveling up, the son says, Father, uh, we have the wood, we have the fire, so where's the animal to sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will take care of that. And so they arrive and build the altar and he lays his son on him and he takes the knife and raises it. Can you imagine doing that? And the angel stopped him and he said, Now I know that you will surrender the thing that you love the best to obey me. And there was a ram there that was exchanged for his son. In the New Testament, it tells us that Abraham believed that even if he killed his son Isaac, that God would raise him up and give him life again. You see, God only wanted to know that Abraham was willing to give up the things that he loved the best in order to obey God. The test. Can I give up the things that I love the best to serve God? This last test is the one that separates a lot of people from obeying God. They love things. They want things. I traveled to Romania. Where's Romania? Yeah, okay. Traveled to Romania, to Bocha. Okay. And uh, I had a young man with me. He was having some problems, but uh, I took him with me to help and to counsel with him. He was having some problems with his music. And uh, we got into Bocha, and uh, the pastor said, uh, you know, tonight we have a young people's uh, meeting. You can play your guitar and sing. Later, the pastor came to me and he said, Jim, he said, uh, the custom here is that men do not have jewelry on unless you're married. And this young man had a promise ring on, and so the pastor said if he could take that off, he'll be able to minister here. Well, I have a rule with people traveling with me. I say to them, we obey the customs and the culture of the people, except if you can prove to me that it violates a biblical principle or law. So I said to David, I said, you have to take your ring off. And he said, oh, I can't do that. He said, I promised my parents that I, you know, and so forth. And I said, well, uh, you can take it off and put it around your neck. Uh, you can take it off and put it in a change purse that you have. 
But I said, you can't minister here with that ring on. About 30 minutes later, he took it off, put it in this uh, change purse. After we were almost ready to leave, the pastor said to David, he said, uh, David, I want you to know that you can come here any time to minister to our young people. Any time you want to come back, he says, you're going to stay and live here? He said, we'd be happy to have you to work with the young people. And David said this. Oh, he said, I could never leave America. I love America. I love, boy, you know. Mm-hmm. Many, many people living in America ought to be in other countries preaching the gospel, but they don't want to give up the comforts and the things that we have in America. I don't know about you. I don't know about, where am I? (laughs) Ireland. (laughs) I don't know about it. But I know this, that many, many people God cannot use because of a failure to surrender so that God becomes the first love and a desire to obey him. So I ask you, here it is, four tests that God gives to people for them to pass so that they can serve him. Are you willing? Are you willing? Surrender your life. Say, here it is, Lord. My life I give to you. Do anything you want to do with it. I belong to you. You are going to control me from now on. Can you live in the world but not be of the world? Can you depend upon God's word? And are you willing to surrender? Those things that you love is going to prevent you from serving God. Father, thank you for the time to preach your word. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you will apply your word to our hearts and our lives. And Father, if there's decisions that we need to make, I I pray that you will help us to make that decision to surrender to you, to live separate from the world, to honor your word and to obey it, and to be willing to give up everything so that we can serve God in Jesus' name. Amen.